Hello and welcome to Rap Party with Prime Video. I'm Rihanna Dillon and next to me is my sultry nerd in residence. It's Michael Leader. You're blushing nerd in residence <laughs> this week. Rihanna, it's always a pleasure sitting down talking with you and talking to the people behind the film and TV we love. And this week, talking to someone who's performing a role that really is only a few years old, brand new really in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. So this week we are delving into the world of intimacy coordination. Just to let you know that this episode contains sexual language and discussions about sexual assault. So listener discretion is advised. So Rihanna, each episode I ask you what you think of when Mm. we say the role of the craftsperson we're talking to this week. This is such a new one. But what do you think about when I say to you the term intimacy coordination? I suppose the only things that spring to mind are programmes that I've watched during lockdown because it feels like intimacy coordination is so new that I've only really heard it applied to things like normal people where the sex scenes were incredibly sensual but also very awkward and very sexy and then very quick and also very long basically it was some of the most realistic sex that we've ever seen on screen Mm -hmm. ever I think and also I May Destroy You Mm -hmm. was another one which ran the spectrum of sex and intimacy but also abuse so I feel like there's a lot to talk about here but as you say it's such new territory for completely us completely new territory although it's funny you've mentioned those two shows that have very much defined the zeitgeist <laughs> in 2020 yeah. they will be coming up as part of this conversation this week but it's intimacy coordination and intimacy coordinator is such a new thing mm-hmm. it's only really been the last few years that we've started seeing those credits pop up at the end of tv shows and films and it has only been with a couple of breakout shows like Normal People, I May Destroy You, Sex Education, Mm -hmm. maybe Fleabag as well, where we've been talking about these sex scenes in different ways. Everyone has an opinion on sex on film and TV. Oh, yeah. Rihanna, what do you think about, what do you think (laughs) makes a good sex scene? Oh, well, this is interesting because the question itself, a good sex scene. Now, are we talking about good sex on screen, like sex that I like to watch on screen? Or are we talking about a realistic sex scene mm-hmm. where there's not all the Hollywood gloss over it but it's just as realistic as it comes like I don't know <laughs> well what floats your boat Rihanna some of the most recent films that I really loved watching some of the more intimate scenes was something like Call Me By Your Name mm-hmm. with Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer because those scenes did feel really beautiful and confident and showcase that whole coming of age thing so there was the awkwardness as well as the passion so that had a bit of realism as well as the gloss kind of Mm -hmm. thrown in another one that comes to mind is well only because i saw this probably about a month ago don't look now okay not a recent film not a recent film a bit of a classic of the genre but just a beautiful long sex scene and there aren't really any kind of cutaways and we don't have as many close-ups we see these two bodies of julie christie and donald sutherland writhing about on a bed fully naked and i really enjoyed watching that it it didn't feel patronizing Mm -hmm. it was a beautiful scene felt a bit mature and adult in the 
other definitions of the term exactly. that we, we usually hear applied to sex scenes. That Don't Look Now is one of the ones that comes up a lot in discussions of sex scenes because it does have that sense of sex as part of the everyday mm-hmm. because you then also see them afterwards getting dressed, putting the earrings back on yes. and going about their business. And also the fact that they were a married couple doing mm-hmm. this. This wasn't, you know, young lovers in the throes of early passion or two people having an affair. This was a regular married couple, as regular as you can get in <laughs> Don't Look Now. <laughs> but then you're charting this whole landscape of what sex can be on screen. You have something that is titillating, which has its own pleasures Mm -hmm. about it. You have something that is authentic to the characters and the storytelling of the film, as you say, with something like Coy by Your Name. But then you have this sense of explicitness or whether there's something coy about it. I know Mm. Coy by Your Name was criticised by some critics because there's a very specific pan away Mm. from the couple in bed where maybe some audiences wanted to see that representation Mm -hmm. on screen. It's particularly around perhaps experiences of sex that we're not used to seeing, perhaps, you know, same sex sex scenes for example Mm -hmm. but i think about the history of sex scenes in terms of almost the industry behind them Mm. i remember growing up reading in empire magazine about eyes wide shut the (laughs) sexiest film imaginable stanley kubrick master of the form with the hottest couple of the time tom cruise and nicole kidman (laughs) this scene would be so hot that he's closed the set (gasps) yes the couple are just there with stanley kubrick leering over a camera (laughs) stop it (laughs) what an image And then that film comes out and actually it's not a very explicit movie. But but it's thrumming with passion all the way through because it's very much about... Thrumming is a great word, Michael. It's all about the fact that character hasn't got the satisfaction he wants and he's going off into the night to find it in other ways. (laughs) And it ends with a perfect line delivered by Nicole Kidman. But that's one of those films where it can be sexy without even having real sex scenes in it. Mm -hmm. Another film I think about is the absolutely gorgeous, incredibly erotic film In the Mood for Love by Wong Kar Wai. Another Mm. one which is more about spaces and the ways that two actors, the most beautiful actors, Maggie Chung and uh, Tony Leung, are on screen together that hold our attentions and excite something within us Mm -hmm. where we don't need to see more. But then there's a whole other aspect to sex, which is authentic to the awkward everyday reality, right? There's also a franchise that I think for people like us in our 30s that was pretty seminal for mm-hmm. <laughs> watching sex on screen for the first time. And that was American Pie. Mm-hmm. I think that has got a lot to answer for when it comes to what we thought sex was going to be like or what it should be like and about, you know, the amount of ridiculousness that's in that film. I just think it's one of the most unrealistic films about sex and yet it's all about sex, Uh right? Well, that whole wave of teen movies in the late 90s into the 2000s was so sex-obsessed but also quite conservative in the way that the sex would play out or be discussed Mm -hmm. in the film. Mm -hmm. A film like Cruel Intentions, I know you're a fan of that film, where you have Ryan Philippe and uh, Reese Witherspoon and Sarah Michelle Gellar talking explicitly about sex. Selma Blair. Selma Blair. That's that snog. (laughs) Like Everyone remembers that kiss between Selma Blair and... Sarah Michelle Gellar and that string of saliva that connects the two. Everyone remembers that. Mm -hmm. And now we have Timothy Chalamet with a peach. And that is a generation gap right there. Kids today don't know (laughs) what they were missing. So it goes from a pie to a peach. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But also watching those films and TV shows as a teenager really introduced us to lots of these bad sex tropes that we see on the screen. I always think about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which for me was a, a really important show growing up where, for example, having sex could 
awaken a demon in your boyfriend <laughs> that's been long buried by an old witch's oh my curse. Oh, angel. Um, <laughs> or later in the series when Buffy's uh, having her bad girl with phase Spike. with Please Spike, talk about Spike and they have a sex scene where a whole building they break the building, they break the actual around building. them with their raw passion. And you watch that now and you think, actually, that's that's so problematic, that whole section where she hates him, but she that, that passion, she needs to have sex with him, but really they are so wrong for each other we were supposed to really ship these two Mm -hmm. and again it's all about those unrealistic expectations i also don't think they they take their trousers down in any of those sex scenes i mean what is with having the bra on or the pants on there are no bodily fluids really in any of these films we don't see any wet patches on the sheets this is what i mean about like there's no realism that is no way to teach a generation about sex and that's why i think this whole new generation of having an intimacy coordinator on set saying that is not what sex looks like this is what sex looks like and you have to be comfortable doing it because if the actors aren't comfortable Mm -hmm. the viewers probably won't be or at least will not be getting a very realistic idea of what this is supposed to be and that's exactly what intimacy coordinators bring to this and this is a way to introduce our guest today who is Ita O'Brien who gosh as we said worked on normal people and I may destroy you right there you have a series that tells the story of a relationship through sex scenes and right there in I may destroy you is all about consent all about abuse and told through these sex scenes which can often at times be very contradictory Mm -hmm. in what we are seeing on screen what the characters may be experiencing very complex in their character dynamics and what's happening it's not just a straight up sex scene as Mm -hmm. we may see otherwise yeah but also i think watching that knowing that there had been an intimacy coordinator and still perhaps not knowing 100 percent what that meant but also feeling that the actors would have felt protected Mm -hmm. and safe doing these scenes made me so much more comfortable watching them and as much as you might get a thrill out of watching some incredible sex scene, if it comes out later that an actress was really uncomfortable mm-hmm. while she was filming that or the actor had to do things that he didn't perhaps want to do, then it completely ruins it. And I don't mean just about the enjoyment, but it shouldn't be like that. No, if that- an actor feels horrible on set, it will ruin your experience of the film because you will feel a sort of sense of guilt just by being a voyeur in that mm-hmm. sense. And that is absolutely something that this role brings. We should say about Eta, the intimacy coordinator part has only been a very recent part of mm-hmm. her career. She's done all sorts of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. She is a movement director, which sort of brings into mind how an intimacy coordinator is almost an outgrowing of dance and mm-hmm. the movements of bodies, the placements of bodies in space. Mm. And Eta's credits as in, in movement, most recently would be the Hannah TV series with Esme Creed Miles. Yeah. And also a film I like, mm-hmm. the zombie movie, The Girl with All the Gifts. Oh, such a lovely film. Such a different take on a zombie film as well. It'd be amazing to hear what her role in that was. And she also worked on Humans, which is all about robots, weirdly. So it's it'll be really interesting to know how being a movement coordinator works in that context of just mm-hmm. moving and not even dancing. I think we should get to the interview. Let's do it. Here is Eta O'Brien. Eta O'Brien, thank you so much for joining us at the wrap party. It's a pleasure to have you here. Rihanna, thank you so much for asking me. (laughs) Such a treat. I'm very excited about this interview. I'm so excited as well. It's very rare that we're talking about something that really, it's such a new field within filmmaking and TV, something that we're going to learn so much about. So 
I suppose, first of all, we should talk about these terms we're going to be talking about. Mm. So movement director, movement coordinator, intimacy coordinator. Ita, could you please lay out what those things are and the route between the two, maybe? So, yes, a movement director Mm -hmm. is someone who helps the actor to embody the physicality of the character Mm -hmm. or the dance. So, for example, I worked on a film called The Girl with All the Gifts. Mm -hmm. Amazing film, working with Glenn Close, which was just such an honour. Yes, wow, Mm -hmm. tell me about it. She was so brilliant. So there, the storyline is that a mycelium gets into human beings. Mm -hmm. It actually happens in nature where mycelium gets into ants and moths. And it takes over their nervous system. So the writer had the idea that, um, yeah, what happened if that got into humans? Mm. So I worked with actually an amazing movement director, Dan O'Neill, and I've done a system called Body Mind Centering. So looking at the digestive system, the nervous system. So looking at, you know, what happens when your digestive system is taken over by this pathogen? What happens when your natural instincts as a human being are taken over? And then looking at that dormant phase and then either smelling food or hearing food and then that physicality. And then because it's that desire to eat, then we had this movement coming from the stomach through and then we had the jaws going. So all of that physicality is what, you know, we help to explore, interrogate, work on, develop, take videos of it, send it to the production, and then gradually once the production go, yep, that's what we want, then we teach it to everybody. So it's that kind of thing, that kind of movement. Yes, and so how did working in that field set you up to move into this completely new field of intimacy coordination then? So as an intimacy coordinator, Mm -hmm. we are looking at helping to bring the physicality of the intimate content. Mm -hmm. So making sure that that equally serves the storytelling. So it's absolutely using those skills when we are doing a rehearsal with the actors and director. Same thing, we're looking and watching as the actor-director have their rehearsal. It's absolutely about serving the director's vision, serving what the actors are already bringing instinctively. So I'm helping to body watch, listen. Um, We're talking about what's the intention, what's the obstacle, where does that sit in the body? And then once we get up on our feet with the intimacy coordination, of course, first thing we do always, always is agreement and consent of touch. Mm -hmm. So each and every day checking out, you know, what's okay to be touched today, what's in play, Mm -hmm. is it okay to kiss if you're happy to kiss, what body parts. And then once we've done that, then choreograph really clearly but always wanting to bring the choreography of this character who is this character what's this relationship what's the physicality of that and then helping to be really clear with the choreography of that so bringing you know anatomy understanding the precision of choreography of rhythm body parts anatomy so that all of those kind of techniques is what we're bringing as the intimacy coordinator which has absolutely come from the pathway through from well actually I was a dancer first Mm -hmm. then retrained as an actor then into movement teaching movement directing and then into this work right was there a moment where this gap in the market this need for a production that wasn't being served to do these things appropriately that that struck you that's where you wanted to go was there a a moment where you realized this is something that needed to be served so my journey through to ending up doing what I'm doing has been completely guided completely come from other intentions Mm -hmm. and the fact that I've ended up doing this is still quite a surprise Mm -hmm. to myself as well. (laughs) So my journey was being movement director. I then had written a play. I put it on. I wanted to take that play further, looking at doing a devised play. And I wanted to explore the dynamic of abuse in our society, the flip side of the perpetration of the victim. But I was going, well, if I'm going to be handing my actors all the research and then saying, right, we're going to explore this. How am I going to hold that space Mm. in a good way? How am I going to put in place processes and principles in order to allow my actors to be present, centred and grounded in themselves? 
with the ensemble and in the space so that they can really consciously and with real professionalism explore this dynamic and then particularly at the end of the day to step away from that to again each day have a debrief and step back from doing a really good day of exploration back to your personal self. And then, in a way, the gap was explored and came from a conversation with one of my fellow colleagues, Meredith Dufton, who's mm. the head of movement at Mountview. Right. And she was saying, as head of movement, that she was having to note all the plays that had intimate content and saying, I go and note it, invariably the physicality that they're doing doesn't serve the storytelling. Mm -hmm. But when she's saying to him, this is what you need to do, she can see, as ever, you know, the fear in the eyes of, like, how do I do that? Yeah. Because there wasn't a professional process like there is with a stunt mm -hmm. or with a dance, mm. in order to journey that way through to creating that intimate content in a professional way. And then the other side of it is, you know, as head of movement, various different student actors would be coming with various different experiences that were challenging and triggering with the intimate content and having to hold that. So it's actually the conversations with Meredith and myself that she was saying, please come in and start teaching what you're developing. And then the third person within this was my other fellow colleague at Central School of Speech and Drama, Vanessa Ewan. Mm. And she had already had that inspiration from watching a fight director in a theatre rehearsal and just seeing the time and space mm. that was given to that and going, that is the structure, mm -hmm. exactly the same that we need for the intimate content. So I also got together with her and she'd already written a chapter in her book about actor movement training. So chapter nine was personal safety and movement, but it went through. So I absolutely co-worked with her. And over those years, so I started teaching the work in April 2015. Mm -hmm. And it was great. Not only did the actors get empowered with the process and the structure, but also just saying, look, you are an artist mm. and you're bringing your artistry to this intimate content and you flip the narrative to the director. It's not about like, oh, I don't want this or I'm not happy with that. It's like, I want to give you as a director the best intimate content that I can give you. Mm -hmm. I want to bring all of my skills as an actor to this content so your vision is really served and the mm -hmm. way that I can do that is working through a professional structure. So the student actors were saying not only did they have skills but they felt empowered, flipping that idea of I'm an artist. And also you need to take care of yourself as an artist. You've spent invariably at least your 10,000 hours yeah. in training, God knows how many thousands of pounds. But your artistry, if you had that as a separate thing, as a Stradivarius violin, you wouldn't be handing that to someone that's going to say, we're just going to see how it goes, we'll improvise it, you know, oh, just take your bra off, oh, just do this, that truly, truly leaves people damaged, you know, mm -hmm. that people are truly in a place of trauma. I've been on workshops where I've had an actor there who's presented herself as a director, but she said the only reason that she was now directing was because the last time she had a job as an actor, the intimate content was done so badly that she just was, I'm not having this, yeah. and walked away from the profession. So That's really sad. And it so is. damaging. I've interviewed yeah. someone before who I think it was a rape scene and she was having to scream over and over again and just have these men on top of her. And there was no care around that. And she was the first person who sprung to mind when I heard yeah. about your job, actually. And I was like, yeah. this would have protected her from the off. But we talk about intimacy in a number of different ways. Sex is possibly the first thing that springs to mind. But there are different intimacies, right? There yeah. are different relationships. And the way that you might be physically with your best friend is very different to how you might be with your 
father. So is that something that comes under the umbrella of your work as well? Absolutely. So things like if you've got an adult actor with a child actor Mm -hmm. and you want to have that physicality of their family, you know, you need to be so tactile and all of that. So absolutely so important, though that that child isn't just done to. And, of course, you've got a very different way of working. You generally want to work with games when you're working with children. Mm-hmm. But really important that that pathway through to finding that physicality is done with a sense of agreement and consent. And, again, getting agreement and consent in whatever way. So, like I say, with a child, you might be playing more with games. Childbirth. Biggie. Ooh. Biggie, biggie for an actor. Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> yeah, tell us about this then. <laughs> yeah, well, no, again, I've sort of been on a situation where an actor was talking about having to perform childbirth. They had an expert midwife there uh-huh. to tell them how to do it, but yeah. no intimacy coordinator or anybody supporting the actor in then the choreography that she was having to do and the physicality. And it's so exposing, isn't it? You yeah. sat back. And she was still in a place of trauma. Then you have situations where you're an adult child to an elderly parent, you know, someone being ill in bed, having to turn them, having to move them again, that really close physical contact. It needs agreement and consent, no mm-hmm. assumptions. If you're playing dead on a slab, yeah. again, invariably there's nudity, there yeah. might be touch. Assume nothing. Basically, any time that there's coming through to touch, mm-hmm. you need to then consider, right, what's the intention, what's the storytelling, and then making sure that you're getting agreement and consent and then, if needed, that clear choreography. Mm-hmm. That's so fascinating. So many of the conversations we've had with guests on this podcast so far has been about accuracy in terms of period detail, mm. scientific accuracy, medical accuracy, perhaps. But you're bringing in this whole other dimension here of appropriateness, not just for the experience of acting, but then also for appropriateness on a set as yeah. well. It's really fascinating to, as you say, you may have a midwife there to show yes. that scientifically what's being shot for a childbirth scene is appropriate, but not for a person going through that. That's experience. Yes, that's absolutely right. So the detail of what's happening, but also what I'm bringing when you say accuracy, what's come to mind, I've just recently worked on a production where it's that sense of well, you're here to safeguard mm-hmm. and helping productions to go, actually, no, we're just like a stunt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't just say, oh, you're here to do risk assessment and put down a crash mat. You know <laughs> that you're going to teach someone how to fall properly or mm-hmm. you're going to teach someone the techniques of how to do a punch properly so that it, it looks right to the camera and that the physicality is telling the right storytelling mm. and we can stay engaged and enjoy the character's story into that fight because it's believable. As soon as you can see that it doesn't look like they're ever going to hit someone, Mm -hmm. you cut off, don't you, as an audience? You don't agree with it in some way. Helping the industry to understand that as practitioners, we are bringing that as well. So I had a moment the other day where I checked in, but I wasn't invited to bring that technical detail. So those things like moment of penetration, you know, mm. I want it to be accurate where the pelvis is around yes. the buttocks, you know. That really if, does pull you out. I'm, yes. just, like, I'm just saying, yes. like, if you're watching a sex scene and you're like, well, that's not where the body goes. Mm-hmm. Like, we, about it. we all know that. Yes. So why on earth are you pretending that it is? Yes. So, for example, where the shot was, if that had been in real life, that would have been anal sex Mm -hmm. rather than vaginal sex. So I'm going, is that the story that you want to tell? I don't think so. Right, that's a very different story. It's a very different story. (laughs) And again, helping a production to go, oh, okay, you know, so that there's accuracy, there's anatomical, yes, clarity. Mm -hmm. And then as an audience, we can stay invested in the storytelling because it just reads right and stay enjoying the character's emotional journey through those scenes. I was thinking about Hannah, which you worked on. And I was thinking there aren't a huge amount of sex scenes in that, but there is so much physicality and so many different kinds of relationships within that. And especially with Esme Creed Miles, who was 
18 yeah. when she was filming. Yeah. So there has to be that element of protecting her as well, physically, but also because there are some pretty tough scenes that she has to go mm-hmm. through. So can you tell me about working with actors like Esme who, you know, they're sort of coming at it from a more an experience perspective perhaps absolutely Esme was utterly superb I mean like sort of what she brought to that role was really fantastic so I was brought in as a movement director Mm -hmm. on that one I wasn't brought in at all as an intimacy coordinator so that was actually just on the cusp of the intimacy coordination taking off so my role there was of course she is a girl who's genetically modified Mm -hmm. and she's being brought up in nature Mm -hmm. in the forest so with Esme, I took her out, again, connecting with the elements, connecting with trees, with the soil, um, wow. smells, heightening that awareness. And then, of course, the whole of the wolf DNA. So helping her heighten um, or just have that awareness of that shift to that heightened hearing and then that smell. Mm-hmm. So I was working with her on those. She was working really, really hard with the stunt coordinators. She was daily you know, training. And then I helped to sort of bring a bit of that sense of how one inhabits yourself in space, particularly when you come from just being brought up in nature and so have that heightened awareness. So that was the work I did with Esme. But she's a very instinctual actor. Mm -hmm. You know, she hasn't had a training, but she's absolutely on instinct. So it was very much just helping giving her those tools so then in the moment that she could draw on different possible physicalities that we'd explored. Other than Esme, the people that I did work with were then the girls who were then the new generation and I worked closely with them. So Esme's one was about that freedom and that rawness and that animalistic that she really had from living in the forest and with them because they were institutionalised. So regimented and so... So they were great. So we did a good absolute boot camp. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, that boot camp of that regimentedness and then, you know, the one character then that is actually looking beyond and somehow has a sense of beyond and equally with them, also the wolf qualities. Right. And then with that thing of just how the fact that they're so trained, there was no moral comment in their bodies when they're asked to kill. Mm-hmm. So just having from that calm, you regimented then and, <laughs> and it's gone and then back <laughs> because there's, you know, it's, it's like just stumping in an ant. So that was great fun, just from that calmness, that full on yeah. and then back. So yeah, I really great wish fun. we had a uh, camera in here. It's just like <laughs> watching you act out what the, the workshops is really fun. <laughs> No, I was so proud of those three as well because when I watched it back, they nailed it. And I, yeah. I contacted them and said, well done. And they were contacting me and saying, every day before we start on set, we, we get together. We had them sort of walking and how they turned. I brought a bit of the work from the TV series yeah. Humans. And again, that was co-working with the amazing Dan O'Neill, you know, about the gaze, the thought, and then doing... So I brought a bit of that that quality of the automaton, the robot, into these killing machines. I do love that landscape we're sketching out here where maybe with the intimacy coordination we're talking about real life, real human beings, grounded work. But then we're talking about these speculative sci-fi series where you are approaching that similar detail yes. to the wildest ideas. Yeah. But I suppose it's all using the same instrument, which is the human body, yeah. I suppose. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, looking at what's the genre, what's the detail that's required, doing your research so you're getting that detail right and then training your body sometimes it's training main cast sometimes like the girl with all the gifts we literally had swathes of supporting artists coming through 20 at a time you know and saying right do you know who you are some people might have read the book and then doing that whole training we had six counts so we got all the different qualities of the movement so we're looking at just what the technical parameters that you would bring and then teaching that and choreographing it and away again it's you know the same with the intimate content you know how do you work say on I may destroy you Mm -hmm. well again you're doing the same thing what is this script who are these characters 
is what's this storytelling? Where have they come from? What's their physicality? And again, that's just the bog standard work, you know, do your research. You know, it's the same thing like on Gentleman Jack. So important and a joy, actually, to be reading all of Anne Lister's diaries. Mm particularly words that she used, you know, grubbling, and then there's a sense of really pressing. She wanted to press, bring someone into her. Right. The language that she used and then bringing that into the intimate content, really researching clearly with support of Anne Choma and obviously Sally's amazing writing. So the intimate content really told the right journey from queer, lesbian, lovemaking, from relationship, from emotion, through into the intimate content that's, you know, has a very different quality and making sure, again, we nailed it, that mm -hmm. we honoured that community, we told the right physical storytelling, really important. What happens when there's a sex scene that a director says, we don't want any emotion here, mm -hmm. this is a one-night stand, there yep. is no real intimacy, it's just sex. Yep. How would you approach something like that? Again, it's what's the intention? So there's intention is hedonistic, it's just from the groin, it's just from sex. So it's in that journey through to that actor director rehearsal talking about where it's coming from it's still coming from somewhere yes. they just want sex yeah, still, yeah. you know there's a real drive there yes. you just want sex so again looking at where that's placed in the body mm -hmm. so I very much talk about energy centers what do you want what's stopping you from getting what you want so you have that pull in the body it's about a drama invariably that's what we're looking at mm -hmm. and then again the same thing you sort of clearly choreograph create the physical structure so that that's clean known and then that's a director's job to then really make sure that that emotional journey, be it I just want sex or I'm desperate to be loved mm -hmm. or like episode four on season one of Sex Education. And that's the lovely couple who are friends mm -hmm. into being lesbian lovers. Oh, yes. And then she's desperate to please. Yes. And the other one really fancies somebody else. Yeah. Going, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. No, it's all come screaming back to me. <laughs> And that was great fun. It was so lovely when I had that first meeting with Ben Taylor and John Jennings and we were talking about my kids were sort of at pretty much at that age, you know, teenagers. Oh my God, are you Gillian Anderson in sex education? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yes! Pretty much. <laughs> no, no, really seriously, particularly when I was researching my daughter come home that summer and she's like, what are you reading? And I lift up this the lesbian handbook. And she's going, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> Seriously. But it was great because we were going, it's so important. We know that so many of our kids now just turn to pornography yeah. on the computers. You know, in my day, you had to have the courage to reach the top shelf of a newsagent <laughs> because you don't have to do that anymore. And we were saying, you know, we want it both to be great fun, but also to lift the lid and have some sense of reality or sort of take off the myth of, you know, how are people supposed to know what to do? And mm. everybody has their anxieties and all the rest of it. So that was part of the intention. And, and it's lovely that it's dovetailed with really helping people to have those conversations while also being a, a beautiful piece of entertainment. Yeah. yeah, There is so much discussion, isn't there, nowadays about telling these stories and who is granted authorship to tell stories mm -hmm. where you have different relationships of different dynamics. It may be they're heterosexual, homosexual. Across the likes of sex education, I may mm -hmm. destroy you, have this range mm -hmm. of lived experiences yeah. as expressed then in intimate scenes. Yeah. How do you research maybe an experience of sex that's outside of your own? I don't like turning to the adult industry. Adult mm -hmm. industry is absolutely brilliant. But I very often say to the directors, send me films that have got similar kind of intimate content that has a sort of feeling and the genre that you want. Right. And then it is absolutely talk to people from those communities, mm -hmm. get books, read, talk to, inform myself so that absolutely, yes, just do that. Mm -hmm. Take that time to do that research so that 
you're both honouring the emotional journey and technical requirements that might be asked of for those scenes. And apart from the example we had earlier where it may seem that the man is having sex with the navel of who he's having sex with, are there ways that you can tell that a sex scene hasn't been appropriately researched and staged? Sometimes yes and sometimes no. Mm. It's interesting. I was offered to do an interview for a magazine and I said, yeah, great, really excited to do that. And then they sent me... 10 sex scenes and said, will you rate these um, from best to worst? Exactly. Oh Ooh. So, so I thought, oh, OK. And also, like, did they mean good sex, this, bad this sex? This is it. This is it. So the thing is that what ends up on film, so there's one scene that I love that I thought that's a great intimate scene, but then literally, you know, got it up on YouTube and then the actress talking about it and the actress saying that the director had been saying while they were in the middle of the scene, go on now, grab his penis. And she's going, ah, oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. And and then I'm going, oh, my God, I can't do this. No. Because what ends up, you know, what I actually thought that intimate content was stunning. Mm. But when I hear that that was a journey through to making it, the difference between what that journey is, how, what someone's experience has been, which is what I'm about. Mm. Well, I'm about both things, making sure that the pathway through that we now go, this is should be just bog standard, a professional process with bringing clear techniques, clear choreography, consent on all terms, physical touch, nudity and simulated sexual content when it's worked through that way that the actors are empowered the actors know they've done a good day of work and you get brilliant content but I don't know you know unless I go and look into each and every intimate scene that's done I don't know how it's made Mm -hmm. so it's a tricky thing to go that's a really good sex scene but how was Mm. it made Mm -hmm. you mentioned I May Destroy You and I May Destroy You is apart from just being fascinating television full stop the sex scenes there are so many different types of sex Mm. in this show so many all of them almost and some are really pleasurable some are abuse Mm -hmm. so when you're working with someone like Michaela Cole Mm. who is the creator she's got her vision of how something will look how do you two work together if you're creating one really intimate gorgeous scene and then a rape scene Michaela is just astounding yeah and it's just such a joy and privilege to have been able to support her in her vision and to create the physical storytelling that she has written. She was incredible in her ability to jump into the different hats, into the different roles that she was inhabiting for that whole production. And also what was brilliant was they really listened to what I was offering and um, took it on board. So with most of those full-on intimate scenes, we had a really good rehearsal and a really good rehearsal away from set, way before we came to set. So we rehearsed quite a few of those scenes in August last year way before they even started filming, which was so important. So the actors are not just rehearsing those scenes, but I'm sharing with them the process so they can go, oh, okay, great. Mm. And it really does that, you know, for myself being an actor, I promise you, you you get a script and you read it and you go, oh, there's your stump goes, oh, "Oh, there's a sex scene. Okay, how are we going to do that? But no more. It's lifting the lid off that concern. So again, just that read through. But of course, the difference is you had Michaela there. So there was one of the times when we did the read through, first of all, of the scene. And then Michaela starts going, oh, but there's this and this happens and this happens. And I'm going, you have got every single detail (laughs) in your head. Yes, as to what the scene is and exactly what you want. Why isn't that written? And right. she said, because I didn't want everybody to see your <laughs> I said, great, I get that. But tell me, tell me, and that's what we will create. That's exactly what the job is about. I want to serve the writing, serve the director's vision. And of course here, Michaela is the writer, is the director, you know, co-director with Sam Miller, again, was just the most, most beautiful human being, mm. supporting Michaela, bringing his beautiful artistry as a director, holding that space. But then Michaela and him co-directing 
So yeah, really getting that detail and then putting it up on its feet. And then when you're working openly, consciously, professionally with the intimate content, you journey through each and every moment of the scene, choreographing it really clearly, making sure all those beats are served. And then that's where you get the detail. And then that's where the actors go, great. They know what they need to do physically. Mm -hmm. And then when you release into the actors and bringing all of their skills as the actor to Mm -hmm. the intimate content, then you get the scenes that tell the right storytelling. And have productions generally been welcoming? I mean, particularly your intimacy on set guidelines. Mm -hmm. Has the door been open when you bring this to them or has there been some resistance? (laughs) I mean, the interesting thing is that the productions that have resounded best in the world and then happens to be the intimate content, have been the ones that have really embraced the whole process. That's very interesting. (laughs) You know, normal people, I may destroy you, sex education. But absolutely, like I say, there's people, you know, don't really want to embrace it because they like how they've worked and they don't really want to change it. I absolutely have directors, I've been told by a producer, don't speak to the director. Only speak to the first AD. Um, (laughs) Safeguard, check in with the actors, get the nudity waivers ready and stand back and don't do anything. And I'm going, "Mm, if there's just nudity and the actor's happy and I've checked in with wardrobe and everything, that's fine. But if there's actually simulated sexual content, they need choreographing. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to put them in place and the director come forward and go, you're directing them. Just let her act it. Mm -hmm. And it's a tough, 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 tough day. Those days I'm really feeling that I am personally still on the edge of then the push of old school industry that it absolutely is my work is to support the director to listen to the director to make sure that their vision you know not just that they can oh just to act it but actually we can make it better Mm -hmm. we can give that director a better intimate content and then also people who have had a lot of experience in the industry they've got their way of doing it Mm -hmm. and that's absolutely fine you know but if it's as long as it tells the right storytelling and again sometimes they're not open to listening or speaking to me Mm -hmm. you know I've tried to put in place that I will check in with the actor or speak to them and I've been told they don't want to speak to you and again it's about agreement and consent if is it offered and if it's not wanted then that's what we have to accept Mm -hmm. you know you can't force anybody to do anything so those days on set can sometimes be tough but again it's just about being present that's a big part of the training is this is an offer the whole structure is what we're offering you know production taking of it what they want the hope that they will understand actually everything that the role of the intimacy coordinator can bring And as I've said to production recently, I want to make sure that you as a production get the best intimate content that you can get. I want the actor to know that they're doing their best, their physical storytelling is telling the right story Mm -hmm. so that everybody's going to buy it and is going to feel it's believable. And like I say, and like you see, if it's physically correct, we'll stay enjoying the character and that character's Mm -hmm. emotional journey. So absolutely, we're still coming up against that resistance and there's still a lot of of educating that's going on while also implementing the work. But regardless, any production that is inviting us on, even if it is challenging, it's still um, so grateful and it's still joyous because even if they're having us there, it's better than us not being there. And we can't talk to you without talking more about normal people because, as you say, it it captured the hearts of pretty much everyone around the country who saw it and it was just a real joy. It really got everyone through, I think, the beginning of lockdown. Definitely got me through it. So tell me about working with Paul Meskell and Daisy Edgar-Jones because their relationship is just exactly as you would want to see any relationship blossom on screen and it did blossom. Yeah. So tell me about that journey. 
So first of all, the whole thing was a pocket of magic. It was, <laughs> um, and I have to say, it starts from actually before that. Ed Gurney, Catherine McGee, along with Lenny, you know, mm-hmm. the, as the producers, their intention right from the get-go was to work in the best way with best practice. So they set up the atmosphere. And then, of course, I can take absolutely no credit whatsoever for the beautiful, first of all, Paul and Daisy, the most amazing actors, so beautifully right for those two characters. That chemistry, you know, that was the job of Lenny and the cast and directors. So I can take no credit for that. <laughs> um, and then equally, Lenny Abrahamson, oh, it's just, you know, the most beautiful soul, the most beautiful man. Yeah top of his game you know he held such a soft gentle open collaborative creative space so within that then I equally invited in and then being invited in to be part of that amazing atmosphere the amazing production the amazing practitioners across the board but the other thing that was so amazing and I think what was different about normal people was that everybody had the book and the book had already was on the the rise of a huge wave of everybody. You know, I'd be up on the tube and seeing how many people (laughs) were reading normal people. And then, you know, when I read it going, oh, my goodness, the way this intimate content is written is utterly beautiful. Mm. And the way Sally Rooney talks about those scenes, which is exactly what I'm bringing to the intimacy coordination, is that it's not about there's a dialogue and now there's a sex scene. Uh-huh. It's always that the interrogation is, and why is that scene there? And this is absolutely Vanessa Ewan's works, you know, why is that scene there? How does it shift the storytelling forward? What does it tell us about both of those characters, both those characters and in relationship, journeying through the beats of that scene, the power play in that scene? That's how Sully wrote those intimate scenes, which is why they weren't just this and then that sex scene. They showed us something more, didn't they? And and my sense with Marianne and Connell is that they had that body, mind and spirit connection Mm. that was transcendental. Mm -hmm. And that's what was so heartbreaking, wasn't it? That they could have this Mm. body, mind and spirit in their physical expression with each other that then got mismatched in how they Mm -hmm. verbally communicated with each other and all that misunderstandings and that frustration. It's so frustrating. (laughs) Just say it. Just say it. Did you have icebreakers for them? Well, you know, I did the usual, came in in rehearsal period and the pre-production, shared the work, did a scene. I was going to do a moment of intimacy. Lenny goes, no, let's do this full on. Um, (laughs) Let's do one of those ones that's full on intercourse. And I say, oh, right, okay, great. But of course, he was absolutely right because that means that that was the first one. Mm -hmm. Did a bit of a warm up, shared the process, same thing in rehearsal gears, putting cushions in place so they're feeling comfortable. And again, using clear choreography, we have that penetration, the moment, breath, always, always, always connection with breath and the sounding that Mm. goes with breath, always in a way that sells it most you know it's so important to have that release in the body where is that breath in the body through to rhythms mm-hmm. and again it's just painting by numbers you yeah. know really bringing that detail but once you've got that detail structurally then those actors go great I know where I'm touched I know where I'm touching you is okay I know that we're serving what Lenny wants and now we can bring all of our skills as mm. the most amazing actors that they are to the intimate content and so important and so lovely that they were able to talk about it as they did have autonomy, they were empowered, absolutely they were listened to and then put all of that into the intimate content. Yeah. It's a beautiful way of talking about normal people. Let's go home and re-watch it right now. I know. (laughs) Ita, it's been such an absolute privilege to talk with you right now and we do have one final question that we're asking all of our guests on the show. So Mm. we are creating this big fictional rap party 
our guests are invited. But of course, we can invite anyone we want, living or dead, whatever role in a production, somebody who maybe practices a craft yeah. such as yours, we want to grab them and have a chat with. Who would you want to chat with at our rap party? You see, I was thinking of choreographers. So the amazing Francesca Janes is right. the most brilliant, brilliant movement director. And I have met her, but I would love to really sit down and really talk with her all the way through her amazing career. She's movement directors on the most incredible productions. And then beyond that, Bob Fosse. Am I allowed to have Bob oh, Fosse? Oh, yes. Because what he brought, you know, his maverickness, wasn't it? Yeah. I would love to sit down and talk to him about his journey and his style and his pizzazz, what he brought. Yeah, that'd be great to talk to him. Fabulous. He's coming with you as your boss. There you go. Ida O'Brien, thank you so much for joining us at the Rap Party. It's been an absolute delight to chat to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you both. Yes, we could have talked for ages, couldn't we? we? Yeah, <laughs> we might after this. <laughs> Thank you to Ita O'Brien for coming and talking with us for this episode. So fascinating to hear about this completely new field within filmmaking. And also, just as we said at the beginning of the episode, the fact that she's worked on two of my favourite shows from this year, Normal People and I May Destroy You, just hearing that breakdown of Marianne and Connell's relationship and also just working with Michaela Cole, Mm. just a little insight into her brain through the eyes of an intimacy coordinator is fascinating. I've read so many interviews with Michaela Cole, but nothing that really kind of outlined what Ita was talking about. And Rihanna, I introduced myself as the blushing nerd in residence <laughs> at the beginning of this episode, so I was very grateful to cling on to <laughs> the sci-fi we were talking about there with Go With All The Gifts and yep. also Hannah too. Hearing about movement as applied to sci-fi is something even as a geek I hadn't really thought about before. And listeners, you know we like to give you a viewing list after an episode if you want to catch up. Hannah is now streaming on Prime Video. And if you head to the show notes, you can find links to watch lots of Eater's other work like Normal People, I May Destroy You. Did I mention I love those? Also, The Girl with All the Gifts. And if you're curious, some of the stuff we talked about in our intro, Eyes Wide Shut, Buffy, Cruel Intentions, are all available on Prime Video as well. What an episode, Rihanna. And here I was, thinking this podcast couldn't get any more intimate. Rap Party with Prime Video is a Little Dot Studios production for Prime Video. The show is hosted by Rihanna Dillon and Michael Leader. It's produced by Annie Hughes, Jake Cunningham and Harold McShiel with additional research from Nicole Davis. Our original music is by Axel Cacoutier. And we're edited by Content is Queen. And our artwork is by Sandra Boucher and Sam Mason. If you've enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to us on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you at the party.